You are listening to the Amodamar podcast. In this series, Amoda explores her essential teaching through conversation and excerpts from interviews and events. To find out more about events and to sign up for her newsletter, go to www.amodamar.com. Please subscribe, comment and share if this podcast moves you. And if you feel called to donate, please go to the website. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy. Greetings and welcome back to the Amodamar podcast. In this episode, Amodamar is in conversation with Henry Shipman, a Zen teacher at the Mountain Cloud Zen Center in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and author of One Blade of Grass. Together they explore some of the parallels between the Zen and the non-dual approaches and understandings of awakening. A little more about Henry. After a spontaneous awakening at the age of 19 and a childhood marked by severe chronic eczema, Henry embarked on a reluctant journey of healing and deeper awakening in various traditions and therapies. He trained for years in the Sanbo Zen lineage and is now an authorised Zen master, leading Mountain Cloud Zen Centre in Santa Fe, New Mexico. As I said, his memoir, One Blade of Grass, chronicles his journey. So, Henry, welcome to uh, this podcast. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, and just maybe a little bit about how we met. Um, we're, we both live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and we met through uh, a mutual friend, um and we've had several conversations and uh, gotten to know each other a little bit and one of the things that i was really taken by and i think perhaps you were as well was um certain parallels in our personal paths um that led to awakening now we'll talk about this later, but you know you're in the Zen tradition, um, and I'm in the uh, let's say category of, of, of non-duality. Although I'm not a strict non-dualist, but that's what I'm kind of, <laughs> in some ways, known for. Um, and in some ways, they're they're, they're quite different traditions. Um, although we'll come to that later. But let's let's maybe explore a little bit about. Uh, some of the parallels in our history leading up to awakening. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know that you um, had a difficult childhood in the sense of, I'm talking more about an internal difficulty. I don't know if your actual conditions or circumstances were were uh, incredibly traumatic i don't know please correct me if i'm wrong but i i understand that the existential <laughs> um mm. kind of uh quest quest for meaning um which might have led to a depression or anxiety is something that i also had so perhaps can you tell me a little bit more about that yeah yeah um <clears throat> I, I actually, I, I had very severe eczema um, from the age of six months. 
and um, which is a skin disorder. And it wasn't just like a rash, you know, it was really, uh, I mean, I was in hospital quite a few times in my infancy and early childhood and, and, and mid childhood for it. So it was really quite severe. And, and um, when I wasn't in hospital, a district nurse used to visit sometimes every day to tend it, you know, and it was very, it was a very difficult condition to live with. Um, a lot of itching, of course, and a lot of pain. And um, <clears throat> my kind of interface with the world, my skin was disordered and raging and, and broken. And um, so living with that for the first, well, I was going to, it's hard to exactly say when, but at least until the age of 18, I had no significant let up from it. Um, in my early adulthood, it, it started to get better um, in slowly and with sort of lap relapses, you know, <clears throat> and um, that was very traumatic, very, very traumatic. And, um, you know, I, th I think as an infant, when it came on, it happened in a traumatic way with my mother leaving me for several days when I was six months old. And um, that's when it started up when she left me with in the care of somebody I didn't know who was giving me formula instead of the breast. And that's when it started. And um, so, yeah, that was, that was, um, I kind of, you know, I, I sort of, some ways I sort of grew up in the fires of hell, you know, and it gradually, as I said, gradually started to get better. And I was kind of finding a way to sort of be, to be hopeful and have a sense of purpose sort of in the midst of all of that through poetry, actually, um, as a young teen and a mid, mid, mid teens, you know, that was sort of starting up, but yeah, by the time I was 18, 19, I was really, um, already on a kind of nameless quest or search and nameless because I didn't know what I was looking for, but I knew I was being driven by some kind of search and then when I was 19, I, I think there's some parallel here too with us. I had a random, quite profound, random awakening, came out of nowhere with no interest in awakening, really. I, I didn't know what had happened. I just knew that I'd discovered the truth. And, um, and um, that really set my life course. Yes, yes, and, and so I stand corrected. There, there, there was a trauma in your early childhood, and 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 even you um, just describing that 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 brings to um, to life my the parallel between us in that in that uh, I I had a. a a trauma around six months as well, where my mother's breast milk stopped. Um, my father essentially left um, and she was in a, a situation and culture, um, not English, that uh, where that was extremely shameful and there was no, um, it sort of had to be, it became a secret. And so I think what I'm hearing in that is like, you, you you carried a lot of shame. Uh, the shame was expressed through the skin, so that's your interface with the world. Like you said, it's uh, it's like being in the uh, in the fire. Yeah, there's there's a there's a brokenness at that uh, boundary between you and the world. And I experienced uh, that shame 
uh, a kind of broken boundary between me and the world because it was uh, shrouded in secrecy. So I carried that. So that, so so there's there's the first parallel. And um, um, thank you for sharing that. And and also that that initial uh, opening or awakening. Um, I mean, mine happened later in life. In my well, actually, not that much later. In my twenties, um, uh, mine was catalyzed by um, a combination of things. Uh, the catalyst was. Um, in the midst of deep, chronic, existential depression, a combination of meditation. I started off with TM, although I didn't do very well at that and didn't continue, <laughs> but it was the beginning. Um, yeah. And uh, a combination of that, all in the space of a few months, long distance running, which I'd never done before, but somehow uh, fell into, I won't go into the backstory, but that took me into a transcendental realm, um, much like the TM, um, a, an experience of no self and uh, some uh, introduction to and uh, partaking of um, psychedelic substances, which completely opened me up. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, that was very sudden and unexpected. Um, <laughs> it it kick-started something. I wouldn't say that was the awakening by any means, but it certainly opened a, a doorway to something and seeing a whole new reality. Um, but it was many years later for you and for me, I think, that true awakening, if we can call it that, sort of revealed itself. Is that right? Not quite. I'd say that the experience that I had at 19 was a real awakening. I I just disappeared and became the whole universe mm. and found that's what I'd been always. And um and also that it was it was essentially made of nothing. And um everything was immediately present and and um everything was answered. And I mean the, it, it was it was an initial awakening in the sense that having discovered that I and living in a state of sort of transparency, you know, wide open transparency for a few weeks. Um, I then, I then, uh, actually I was away from home at the time and I came home and um, basically had a breakdown when I came home mm-hmm. um, and, and, and became, <laughs> that's when I became really depressed. Right. And so, but it was, and, and then I, but I knew that, you know, I, I had seen, I had discovered reality. Mm. I had discovered the one thing that was real, the truth. And, and so that launched a sort of, um, I mean, initially just a lot of um, frustration. Like, how do I, how do I find that again? You know? And, and then I'm, and then I, I was, I was in this sort of, you know, this difficult, very difficult, my, my eczema actually had cleared up around that time and it came back again. And I was, you know, I really went into a sort of mm. psychic um, doldrum, you know, a really difficult state. And, um, and it was, and what, what started to get me out of it actually was in my early twenties, I started doing TM mm-hmm. and actually for me, it really helped. It, it, it just helped me begin a process of healing, you know, and um, because I, I'd been so, I was for, for several years, 
you know, four or five years after the awakening experience and then the subsequent collapse, you know, I, I, I was in such a ragged state and that just doing sort of frantic, ragged state and just being forced to do 20 minutes of stillness twice a day with this very healing mantra, um, it really, it really had a, it really had a helpful mm. effect on me. Yes. And I did it for several years, but it, and, and then I, you know, in a way it was, it was sort of preparing me, I think, to reapproach mm. what the awakening had been. Yes. And, you know, and I think had I not been in sort of kind of a difficult condition and then found that a fairly regimented practice, which the TM was, you know, they kind of drummed it into me that, if you don't do this thing twice a day, it doesn't count. You know, <laughs> you know so I, I did. I was very yeah. dogged about it. Yeah. That kind of then prepared me, I think, somehow to to move into Zen when I encountered yes. Zen because it, it knew about awakening. Yes. It knew about this world of oneness and emptiness. and, mm. and um, so, so, um, so let's yeah. talk a little bit more about Zen um, because I'm, you know, you know, personally very interested in that. Um, um, and I'll, I'll just say, you know, if, if I read your book, One Blade of Grass, um, which is your memoir, and that's your journey that we're kind of skipping through right now. Um, and, and, and I just want to put that out that, you know, if anyone wants to know more about your, your journey, which was very rich, I, I, I really enjoyed reading, reading it. Um, uh, your whole journey through through your childhood and the eczema and uh, all the awakenings and searchings and your immersion into Zen and and where you are now as a Zen teacher, your role. So so there's that book. Um, but I, I kind of want to talk about Zen itself, if if we may, um, and sure. maybe it's uh, relationship to, or, uh, to non-duality? Are we talking about the same thing? Um, are they just different? Are we using different terminologies pointing to the same place? Are there differences? Because you woke up through uh, your, your, your final awakening, if, if there is such a thing, um, or your abiding awakening, uh, was through your, path through Zen and the practices. And I've, I've read about those and some of that is quite rigorous and some of that is, you know, there's definitely a commitment there and a, and a path, even though it's a kind of pathless path. Um, my path is a little different. I mean, I've also experienced uh, or practiced many forms of meditation, Buddhist meditation, Zen meditation, but I haven't followed one specific path. Um, if anything, my, path was the path of surrender um with meditation without meditation it didn't matter um it was supported by meditation throughout the my years of spiritual seeking but really it was the path of surrender that was opened up the doorway to that was opened through my um experience in in india at osho's ashram even though osho wasn't in his body and i've spoken about this so um people that are listening to this probably know my story so i'm not going to go into that but i'm really saying that the awakening my awakening that took place in 2002 
really happened very unexpectedly without a teacher, without uh, being immersed in a tradition. In fact, by that time, I'd sort of um, given up, if that's the word, or let go of any specific method or technique. It really was the surrender in everyday every moment, every day, just noticing how I was resisting or simply relaxing into what is. But I have a sense, uh, although I can't be absolutely sure, that we sort of ended up in the same knowing, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I've I got to say, yeah, I, I've, I've been loving your book, um, Falling Open in a World Falling Apart. Mm. And uh, you describe uh, there's very I mean there's very all kinds of parallels that I I, I I see in what you're teaching with what I teach and and if what I'm teaching is Zen it's awfully similar and down to the the word surrender I mean it's yeah. you know zen, I, I think Zen is just a it, all it is is a it's a part it's a portal it's a path it's a method it's not the thing. You know, it's really, in a sense, unimportant. It's it's just a way of surrendering and letting go, and releasing and letting everything in. And it's it's just a way of doing that. So it's not that important. It's not like it's you know I don't know. It's like a tool. It's like if if you want to build a you know a, a, a piece of furniture, you have a you know you have a you have your saws and your files and planes and you know, but but it's the furniture that matters. I mean, Zen's just a, just a method. It's mm. so it has, it has a, it provides a, I sometimes think it really just provides a context. That's all, you know, where mm. for many of us, it's easier to let go and surrender, but it, but, but, but it's still the same thing. We have to let go and surrender. Mm. Just happens we're doing it within that context. For me, I mean, I, I wouldn't have, it was all relational that you know, it was it was purely like meeting a certain friend when i was a young young man who was really into zen she's natalie goldberg some of you some some of your listeners might know her work she's a great writer on zen and and on the zen of writing um she became a close friend and and you know there was something in her that i mm. i knew came from her zen i thought Huh, what is that? That's 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 something really nice. That's something really true, and and as I started to sort of explore a little bit what this Zen thing was through her, I quickly realised that Zen knew about the awakening experience I'd had back when I was nineteen. I thought, oh my god, I got to do this, and so I, I just switched from TM to Zen meditation. Mm-hmm which was really just sitting without a mantra, which is yes. following your breath. It was so simple, you know, yes. it was just so simple. I mean, I think, I think Zen is a kind of as close as you can get to sort of natural awakening. Yes. You know? I, I, that's what I love about it. The simplicity and the directness. And I think that's what it has so much in um, alignment with was certainly the way that I teach. I mean, I like I say, I don't have a tradition or a particular teaching. I don't even come from a, a, a non-dual background. It, it, I sort of fell into it um, through my own experience. But I speak a lot about the suchness of things. Um, I speak a lot about freshness of experience, just this. Um, yeah. And, 
you know, I, I think, you know, beginner's mind, which is, I don't use that term, but that's my, my understanding is that's what beginner's mind is. Yes. Meeting reality as it is without an overlay, without yeah. the overlay of our narrative or without the overlay of our interpretation or without the attempt to interfere with reality. That's the simplicity of it. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's Zen, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. Yes. It is. It is. Yes. It is. Yeah. Yes. It's very, it's, that's right. And um, I think what, you know, I, I don't know whether, how this uh, matches or mirrors or parallels your path, but for me, it was about people. It was, you know, first there was Natalie and then later there was this guy I met called John, who was a Zen teacher and, he just, he was deep. He was just deep and clear. And I just, something in me just trust, trusted that um, it would be good to learn from this guy. Mm. And I didn't, again, you know, is it learning from or is it just being in a context where the process in me that needed to happen knew it could happen? So it's not really like he's teaching me something. It's more like he's providing a shelter, a refuge, mm. where some process that wants to happen could happen more easily. Maybe, mm. you know, in your case, it seems like you found that context in whatever other ways. And um, I just happen to find it yes. relationally, you know, right. at least in a certain way, you know, and it was very beautiful to discover when I had a I had an awakening experience while working with him and finding that I was immediately met, you know, in this realm where you can't meet because you are everything. It was like amazing to have the presence of somebody who was in it as well, or who was it as well. There's something happened in that, in that um it is a kind of, it's a kind of meeting in a realm where, in a sense, you can't meet because there's just one thing, you know. Yeah, but isn't but, that what you what you do as a teacher? <laughs> meet others what in that realm. I mean, that's what yes. that's what happens in 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 my, in my work is that I'm meeting people in that space. Sometimes it's right. recognized consciously, uh, yeah. and sometimes it's not. But there's definitely a a sort of field of openness, a field of we can call it awakeness, whatever, yeah. uh, a field of naturalness um, in which we meet, and and that's that's the power of it, and that that in some ways overrides any actual teaching. I mean, we can say a load of words and we can say a load of, um, you know, pointers, give a load of pointers, but actually that's not it. It's something no. much beyond that. And that's really what you're speaking of as far as I can tell. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the, that's the kind of magic of it. I mean, not the magic of it, but the mystery of it really. And yet yeah. not at all. It's, it's just a, a being reflects being or being meets being. Um, yeah. And that's something both very ordinary. Yeah. That's natural. Mm -hmm, and yet mm -hmm. quite uh, extraordinary or not ordinary because it's not the normal conventional uh matrix <laughs> yeah that, that most people relate 
within. Yeah. That's right. Um, That's right. So, I'll, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our, yeah. Our, our habit and conditioning. You mentioned a while back that there was something in, in my book uh, that uh, was aligned to uh, a, a concept or phrase or pointer that you use in your teaching, which is about original love. Now, I, 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 I have a sense that original love is speaking about uh, uh, true nature. Um, so perhaps from your point of view, w- what do you mean by original love? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right on. I mean, it's, it's about the, when I think um, many, you know, especially with, a, with an initial opening experience will, will feel that they've, whatever else they've discovered, it somehow is a kind of boundless love. It's a love without any limit in any way. And in, in time or space, it's just, it's sometimes it's almost as if we discover there's nothing but love. Nothing but love. It's a kind of formless love. I, d- I don't know whether this relates to your experience, but I sort of sensed it did while reading your book. And I mean, this is the heart of, I think it's the heart of Zen, really. That's, that's beautiful because that's, uh, I definitely speak about that and it's both my uh, personal experience uh, that awakening is an opening to love. And I do speak about that a lot myself and it's the one area that very often is confused for people you know it seems that awareness or consciousness and love are somehow different and uh for me they're the same yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a well, boundless a- yeah and for you too yeah, yeah? boundless awareness yeah. and boundless love are one and the same they're like two sides of the same coin Exactly, exactly. And it's like, it's like in a way, they can't be two things really because they're, they're, they're just different aspects of one thing. But it's not really a thing, but it's sort of the truth. Mm, mm, that's right. It's, it's and, the only, in the end, it's the only thing that's true. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's because love has become contaminated. It's co- contaminated by the idea that we love something or we love yes. someone. So there's this subject object relationship, but the love that you're talking about, the original love um, and, and the love that I speak of, which is um, uh, I call it infinite love or uh, love as open awareness Um is not dependent on subject and object. It's that which reveals itself when you wake up out of the dream, (laughs) the dream of self. Yeah. When you know original nature, then you know, original love. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, the, the dream of subject and object is what obscures it. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's the very thing that hides it. So any love that is about subject and object um, I mean, it may be, I, I sometimes think that, you know, different kinds of love that people might know and be familiar with, in some way, they're probably all inklings of the ultimate love. But um, but they'll get kind of, I don't know, not distorted, but 
kind of um, a little bit derailed from the real ultimate love because we put it, we see it through the filter of me and you or me and mm. it as separate. Or me and God. <laughs> or it could, indeed, indeed, because because I guess there's a place for devotion and that's beautiful, but even the devotion itself is part of the great love. Mm. You know, so it's mm. part of God. The devotionality itself is part of God. Mm. I, I, you, you could say, uh, I think, that uh, original love or the discovery of original love, the revelation of original love, the same as the revelation of original nature, that is surrender. It's, it's where surrender oh. stops being about me surrendering to anything. Again, it's the kind what, of subject-object kind of collapses. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I'd say it's what opens up when, when we surrender. Yes. That's what we surrender to. We surrender ourselves, and here it is, boundless. Yes, that's right. Boundless, yeah. Boundlessness. Yes. You could say it's the end of self. It's exactly. It begins when self ends. Actually, it's always here, and it's always been self anyway. Mm. Mm. It's been everything, but it's mm. but until we see it, we don't see it. Mm, absolutely. I just want to um, <laughs> so, uh, something that I picked up earlier in the day that really spoke to me. Again, um, one of the things uh, that is really uh, such a—it's not even a parallel because a parallel implies there's two paths going side by side. I'd say it's one and the same. I picked up a book by uh, Suzuki, Zen Mind, mm -hmm. Beginner's Mind, that happens to be oh. on my shelf. I've got lots of books on my bookshelf that I've completely forgotten about, um, <sighs> read in my 20s and, and can't remember a thing. But somehow I, I just picked that up because I knew we were, we were going to have this conversation. I opened a page and it says this, if you continue this simple practice every day, you will obtain some wonderful power. That's not the part I'm interested in, but there it is. This is the part I'm interested in. Before you attain it, it is something wonderful. But after you attain it, it is nothing special. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Everything yeah, changes yeah. and nothing changes. Yeah, yeah. It's ordinary. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel, yeah, this is something I, I, I think I picked up in your, your book as well, that this emphasis that, nothing must be excluded you know nothing is excluded it's like the the opening um to the opening of the opening up of ourself as the self releases and boundlessness is is what there is then it that just that's really what everything is so nothing is excluded everything is included by original right. love. Yes. Know? And that's that's the uh, living of it. That's the embodiment of it. That's yeah. um, the ordinariness of it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, because Zen talks about embodiment. It talks about ordinary mind, ordinary everything, ordinary. every yeah. day, every mm. day, yeah. Because mm, I find that's yeah, another term. I mean, non-duality 
talks about embodiment sometimes, not always, <laughs> but um, I know I do. Um, yeah. My first book was called Embodied Enlightenment, um, but that's another term that gets misunderstood. Um, I think uh, very often it's it's taken to mean something to do with the body, something to do yeah. with uh, the senses, the expansion of the senses, the uh, enjoyment of the senses, uh, and so on and so on. But really, um, I use the term embodiment to to mean the ordinary living of it in everyday life. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the Zen. Um, you know, they talk about at the end of all the ox herding pictures, which are a kind of map of <laughs> awakening. You wind up forgetting about the ox, actually, and back in the marketplace. Mm, that's so it. Back in the marketplace with gift bestowing hands. Mm. That's for the, that's the way they put it. So that's um, ordinary life. They kind of, I, I, I don't know how this, I, I imagine this would match quite well with what you're teaching that, you know, they say really when, when the, the further we go, the more we forget about awakening and really just become ordinary. They talk about having a deep enough awakening that it washes away awakening. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, uh, I have no, um, how shall I call it? I don't hold on to it. There's not. There's nothing. There's just this. If well, somebody that, asks, we... yeah. If somebody asks, oh, tell me about your awakening. I have to kind of dig into some memory bank and pull out some facsimile of awakening to describe something. Um, <laughs> but here, here now, yeah. Yeah. there isn't anything. It it simply yeah. is this. I mean, it's yeah. it can be described as awake because. Awake doesn't put a filter on what it yes. experiences. It doesn't have a defendedness. It doesn't have a strategy. It doesn't have, um, well, an, an, an interpretation. It doesn't have uh, an interference. It just is as it is. And we that's awake. Yeah. It's yes. not caught up in the matrix of perception and conditioning and belief system and defense strategy that builds up the ego self. It simply is this open awareness. But that's so ordinary. There's no such thing in this as a high awakened state. It's no. not supernatural. <laughs> it's natural. No, no, exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's really like just in the midst of things as they are. Nothing special. There's one there's one Zen master in the lineage that I'm in, you know, and he he wrote this beautiful poem about his deep, deep awakening, which kind of winds up saying, he says, like, and what is it after all? Nothing special. Just (laughs) this. Just Just this. this. Yes, I love that. Just this. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm. So what do we think? I mean, if if non-duality, I mean, I would have to say that Zen 
kind of is a non-du form of non-duality. It's a training in non-duality. Yes. I, I couldn't couldn't really see it any other way. No, I can't see it any other way. <laughs> it is. <laughs> to me, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same. I mean, of course, there's beautiful uh, tradition of Zen, the koans and so on and so on. And, yeah. and that's something yeah. that, you know, that is very unique to Zen. Um, but, you know, awakening is awakening is awakening exactly, <laughs> by whichever exactly. method, by whichever path with a teacher, without a teacher. Um, I mean, the beauty of a teacher or a tradition, I think you touched on this earlier, is that it, it, it's, a, it's a kind of um, shelter or crucible. <laughs> to me, that's, that's really helpful for the, or valuable for the, for the, uh, what, what we're calling the embodiment of it, the journey of it after awakening. Um, uh, certainly from my experience, awakening can happen without that, although it doesn't just fall from, you know, from the sky as some kind of <laughs> surprise or, or blessing. There is usually a uh, kind of fertilizing of the inner ground that perhaps leads to awakening or makes it more possible for awake consciousness to reveal itself. Um, so it's not really just out of the blue, although it seems to be out of the blue at times. <laughs> right. But I mean, I, I think there are cases where it happens without somebody having done any conscious preparation whatsoever. So, you know, there would have been some unconscious preparation of some kind. But I, I, I mean, I think in my own case, it, when I was 19, I had, I had no, I'd never even really thought about the word awakening. I'd heard the word enlightenment. I wasn't interested in it. And it just was completely outside my, my world. I, I just, I really was uninterested. And this thing happened. And so, Sure. I guess I, I guess there must have been some underground workings, but they I, were underground. Completely yeah, unaware. I think that awakenings uh, and, and profound awakenings can happen. I mean, I, I've experienced that, and that can happen out of the blue because it is true nature, kind of popping yeah, through. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> um, exactly. Either at a, at a at a moment of intense beauty or a moment of intense shock or a moment mm -hmm. of intense uh, angst. Um, so right. I, I, I do think that can happen. But I, I think as in, as in your case, it took many years yeah. of um, doing the work, if you like, the inner work mm -hmm. on many different levels that eventually led you to, to Zen that allowed that uh, original awakening, if you like, to really become uh, uh, what I call a true awakening, which is an abiding mm -hmm. state where it's lived, yeah. it's known, it's recognized, it's breathed, it's natural, and it's yeah. not an experience that comes and goes. Yeah. And it's that yeah. it's that awakening that I'm speaking about. <laughs> the yes. one that the one that stays, the one that remains, yeah. the one that reveals true nature, yeah. and that's that's it. That's who that's you are. It. Nothing can yes. ever obscure it again. So yes, 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 of course we can have awakenings, whether they're you know, like I say, the cat, there is a catalyst of some sort. Um, but we, we do need to, 
do some work either prior or after in order to to fully embody that awakening. Yes, I agree. I agree. Mm. I mean, I wonder, maybe, maybe um, I mean, you know, that's what Zen was mostly for me, was the ongoing training mm. that allowed that, that allowed that to happen. And, um, but I, I, I do, I, I do know that, you know, people can get there without any formal training. It's just like a process that naturally they let happen. You know, some, some people, and maybe you're in that category that, you know, you, 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 you found your way to let it happen um, with hints from teachers here and there and context yeah. that you put yourself in, but, but kind of really just through allowing. Would that be fair to say? Yes. I mean, I wasn't looking for enlightenment. <laughs> I wasn't right. looking for awakening. In fact, I'd never even heard of the word awakening. It wasn't around in 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 my day. Um, yeah. Certainly not in you know. I wasn't in any tradition, so it just wasn't uh, part of my language. I was looking for happiness. I was looking for peace. Um, and yeah. through through allowing, yes, the surrender to take place because I saw maybe that, I mean, I did have some, a lot of meditation experience, um, but maybe that helped to tune, fine tune a capacity to see clearly the mechanism of mind that was always grasping or pushing or rejecting it was that, that 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 I saw, and I saw that that was the cause, the root cause of my suffering, and then I saw that that was the root cause of humanity suffering, and it was that seeing that allowed me to to that allowed a final surrender, if you like, the surrender yes. of that mechanism, which was a death yes. of the ego self, the not yes. of ego self. And yes, it, it, it was that. So that, so there is a, yeah. there is a kind of uh, possibility of a, uh, a, an awakening without uh, being held by a tradition or a path or a teacher, but there has to be some insight, I think. <laughs> Yes. Without yes, that yes, insight, yes, yes, it's just something that happens, an explosion, and then you don't know what's going on. And then you have to get on some kind of path at some point. I, I in some ways, I'd already been on that path. <laughs> it was called right. the path of observation, as well as the path of surrender. The two things, it was like awareness and heart. I didn't have a formal name for it. And there wasn't anyone teaching me anything. But somehow, I had spent a lifetime on that path, eventually getting to this point where I was suffering and the suffering mm. wasn't anything that was happening in my life at that point. You know, the, 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 the things that had happened in my life, the traumas had already happened. Right. Yeah. There was a kind of space. There was a kind of emptiness and, and solitude. Mine was through solitude. And in that solitude, I saw that suffering was still here. And what did I see? I saw the mind's movement. 
And so there wasn't a forcing of it, there wasn't a stopping of it, but there was a surrender in the midst of it. And somehow, miraculously, Mm -hmm. unexpectedly, everything changed. It's like the the self, the core um, uh, kind of scaffolding of Mm -hmm. self completely collapsed. And I think you described it in that way. I think I heard on, on a video that I watched of yours that... Um, it, it's it's a death and it's a rebirth. Yeah. Yes, yes, it totally <laughs> is. Yeah, and you know, it's you put it very well that it's so critical seeing the process clearly. It's like it's like the moment of really seeing. Oh, this is what's been going on all these years. This little driving nugget core of of pushing away of actually buddhism calls it craving which doesn't only mean trying to get stuff it means just trying to make things different you know mm-hmm. this constant little engine that's and it when we see that it's amazing how i don't know if this is always true but when you were talking about it it really resonated that somehow sometimes just seeing it is what ends it that's it yes to really see it ends it you know buddha yes. said some somewhere in it you know said house builder i've seen you you <laughs> won't build the house again <laughs> i like that yes absolutely i think that's it i think we've kind of in some ways hit the nail on the head if you can say that <laughs> and i think that's yeah. what that's what meditation supports Right. Is totally the seeing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's not right. always. That's of right. course not. It may not. It may become just something that you do or some kind of uh, state yeah. that comes and goes, but it can support that seeing. Yes. 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 Mm. That's right. That's right. That's right. And I guess we, we might, maybe we could say like, well, if it isn't, if it's somehow become like a, just such a rote routine thing, the way we meditate, Maybe it's time for a little shake-up in how we meditate. You yes. Know, that if it, you know what I mean? It's easy to get cozy. Absolutely, you know, yes. It becomes you know. a technique. It becomes a method. And it becomes something that you do for the amount of time that it's being done. And then the rest of the time, there's no seeing. <laughs> exactly. So that, that the meditation needs to flow into, um, yeah. into life. And that's yeah. the capacity to see. <laughs> it's open awareness. And if there's a yeah. glimpse of that in meditation, then that needs to, um, yeah, sort of flow into life. And that's a personal, individual willingness for that. Nobody can teach you that and nobody can give you that. It's like you, you, you yeah. yeah, it's an internal yeah. willingness yeah, to, to meet life in that, in that open yeah. awareness. Well, it, it flows up by itself after the house has fallen down. It doesn't yes. even really need to flow then. It's just mm. here it is, mm. you know. And, mm. and I'd say, you know, I, that's when in Zen they talk about the Zen death. And, you know, often it's taken to mean death of ego, death of ego itself. But it also does actually mean, I, I think, the death of Zen in the sense that <laughs> that's when, you know, you have to see through Zen. Mm. You have to see through the method, that, you know, and and at that point, 
what meditation had been, it becomes kind of superfluous. Mm-hmm. I certainly found that it just fell away quite naturally. Um, mm. And there was this discovery that silence is always here. Oh. Silence oh, yeah. is what I am. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, that's what happens in Zen. That's what we mm. come to is mm. just silence. Mm. Just silence. They call it just sitting. Mm. Mm. Meaning there's nobody sitting. There's just silence. Mm. And that's mm. what that's that's what long-term Zen is hopefully sort of get to. Mm. And then so really the sitting is I mean the kind of people will still do it. I still do it, but I'm not I'm not it's not it's just part it's just a part of the fabric. It's not mm. it's not a sort of separate thing, oh I've got to do my sit, you know, it's not it's not like that. Mm. Beautiful. It's, Beautiful. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. <Nice>. Well, <laughs> thank you, Henry. <laughs> I've really enjoyed our meanderings. Um, I thought it was great. Thanks for listening. If you want to subscribe to Amoda's podcast, go to iTunes, uh, Spotify, Libsyn, Amazon. Uh, to find out more about Amoda's events, go to amodamar.com slash events we look forward to seeing you again on a future podcast thanks to henry thanks to amoda and thank you to you goodbye